Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. My name is Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Shelley Mazanova. Hello, Greg Tito. How's it going? Great. How are you? Are you uh, uh, recovered from all of your uh, adventures over the weekend? Yes. Yeah. How do you know what I did this week? I don't know. That's that's my oh. that's my in on asking what, what, what you did this week. What do weekend. you know? <laughs> Well, did you read the police blog? I heard the police and the West Seattle blog was talking all about this crazy woman at the beach. Yes. Who was stealing wallets. I didn't. Oh, yes. Sorry about your wallet. We got to do the bike thing, though, which was super fun. I'm kind of jealous. It's like a bike carousel caddy. What do they call it? A churi? No, uh, 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 a surrey. A a surrey. They call it a surrey. So is it hard to pedal? It's a little bit hard to pedal. Okay. Yeah. It's not easy. You definitely. I felt it in my glutes. Really? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like a workout. Now, did Aaron help pedal? Oh, yeah, we were dope. Yeah, so you can do, basically anybody who's inside the thing, uh, uh, and this is at Alki Point Beach Park uh, in West Seattle, uh, you can just like ride around the peninsula near Seattle, uh, uh, and it's really fun. So, and it's all flat, so it's like beautiful. Thank God for that. Puget Sound views, great. Do you have brakes? A little bit. The brake is like this. Like you hold it, like you like you pull it towards you with your with your right arm, which was confusing at first because it was in like the park position. I'm like right. trying to like push down. I'm like you got to push harder. And it was on. It was in the it parking brake the whole time. Yeah, exactly. That's a good workout. And like anytime you try to use a vehicle with a group in Dungeons and Dragons, it takes a lot of coordination That's between right. everybody Do on, on the thing. You have to sink your pedaling. No, the chain does that enough for you. Oh, good. And there's only there's two steering wheels, but you do have to steer. Uh, uh, it is like a one, good D&D exercise. It is like a D&D exercise. We all had to work together. We were like leaning. We were like calling out when there was like things up ahead. Oh, There was yeah. a bell that I could be like ding, 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 ding. Because joggers love those things. Oh, they do. They must. Yes. Especially the ones who are like, I just want to do my 30 minute of cardio. Like, yeah. Right, with their headphones on. Yeah, exactly. Can't hear listening to us, listening to Dragon Talk. How, Probably. <laughs> that's what, you know, that's what's funny. I saw Jerome there. Did you know that? No. Yeah. At the, at I saw a guy with a uh, with a D and D red ampersand shirt uh, hat on, and I was like, "Oh, that's funny." Oh, he's drunk. Did you like go? I did. Big giant. I ran right into family? him. I was like, "Get off the road!" I don't know where the break is. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I fell into the ocean. He had to rescue me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I heard him talking about that. It was all in the blog. Coffee this morning. <laughs> and then I had to jump in the sound. It was amazing. The sound, which is freezing, but people really do swim there. Uh, that's insane to me, even with wetsuits and stuff. They don't they, have wetsuits. Some of them do. Some do, but then there's some crazies that just are out there in their bathing suits. I know. Just swimming. They are all going to have to roll constitution checks for them to get nuts. a little bit farther. Crazy. Yeah, or else exhaustion. I Levels of exhaustion will start to hit in. today, because it's probably like, let's see what the temperature is. Yeah. <gasps> 72. Oh, yeah. It's actually really nice out there. So there are definitely are people swimming yeah. right now. Which is nuts to me. And sunbathing. It's like you put your feet the, into the Puget Sound and you like immediately get it frozen off. Oh, it's terrible. Um, and to answer to Oboe Crazy on the chat, it was a Surrey and it had fringe on top. Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much. Thank you, Musical Theater. Got it going on. Uh, also going on in Dungeons & Dragons is Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes. What? Everybody knows it's coming out Soon, not just really soon. It's in May 29th. Uh, it will be available everywhere with an awesome cover by Jason Rainville. And then on May 18th, you can get the special cover designed by Vance oh. Kelly um, in your local game store. So go check that out. Make sure you tell your game store to do it. Uh, but also, um, I want to uh, say that we lost. Did you know that? We lost. I know. We were not nominated. Only did we lose? Like, we weren't even like the second or third runner-up. Runner we were like fourth runner-up. It was up. like winner. 
first runner-up, second runner-up. We're talking about Board Game Geek's uh, Golden Geek Awards. <laughs> uh, Wizards of the Coast won a lot of yes. things. We won Best uh, Artwork and Presentation for Xanathar's Guide to Everything, as well as Best Supplement for Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Yeah. And then we got runner-up for Best Supplement uh, for Tales from the Yanni Portal. We did not get a runner-up for Best of, Podcast for Dragon Talk. We didn't runner-up to the runner-up. No. So there was basically like four podcasts that were <laughs> So nominated. we were like last place. <laughs> so we didn't even... <laughs> but... As we said, in joking, but it is just uh, uh, an honor to be nominated. I thought it that really until is. I realized, like, man, we weren't even the runner-up to the runner-up. <laughs> and then I was like, I think I'm just embarrassed that we were nominated now. Oh, no, it was really, just really kidding. sweet. Thank I you so much happy. to everybody. Uh, it was rigged. Uh, it clearly was. Uh, but uh, I mean, we'll it see. It did make me feel like, what are we doing in this category? Because <laughs> a lot of them were really the actual play podcast ones, which is, I think, a different animal. So, uh, it, I think, And we know there's a lot of... D&D podcast. There are a lot out there, there, right? So it is... It really was, and a lot of really good ones. So I'm, I'm, I congratulations to the winners, uh, and uh, we'll make a, you know, next year, next year. There's always next. Well, now I'm really gonna try. (laughs) You weren't trying (laughs) the three years of doing this podcast before, but now you are. Now I'm gonna give it my all, starting next week. Awesome. Uh, Speaking of starting next week, well, actually, more like, uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could say next week or now, if depending on when you're listening to this. But Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition, uh, we've been talking about it for a while, but it is going to be released to the public Tuesday, March 27th. So you listening and podcasts will be already out a week, but you on the Twitches, March 27th. Mark, Mark it, it down. down right you now. can play it then, uh, which is awesome. Uh, our, the friends at Beamdog have been doing a really, really good job uh, updating this uh, enhanced edition from the old game, uh, Neverwinter Nights, that was uh, uh, released in 2002. Uh, all of your old saves and mods will still work. So if you're still working on the same machine that you were 16 years ago, you're somehow backed up your old save games, it'll Aww, still work. Really? It'll still work, including all your old mods and stuff, which I think is really, really cool. That's uh, really sweet. So uh, go check that out if you haven't already. And if you uh, you know use a tablet to play your games, you can now download um, Seeds of Dragonspear, uh, which is like basically Baldur's Gate 1.5. It's like a it's like a uh, uh, a new piece of content that the De- Beam Dog cool. writers and team made, and it goes in between uh, uh, Baldur's One, Baldur's Gate One, and Baldur's Gate Two. So you can get that on your tablet for Google Play and the Apple App Store right now. So get your get your uh, isometric RPG fix going. Um, nice word. Thanks, man. Uh, speaking of other fixes that you can get, Warriors of Waterdeep uh, is a mobile game, uh, so not tablet. It'll be on your phone, and uh, it is a kind of a free-play, turn-based, uh, or, or, you know, tactical RPG, I might say, uh, for iOS and Android. It's coming this spring. Uh, you can pre-register now, warriorsofwaterdeep.com, and uh, get the Laryl gift pack because... Uh, those of you who play Lords of Waterdeep might recognize Laryl Silverhand as the open lord of Waterdeep now. Uh, she will be the one who will be giving you missions in this game, which I think is super cool. Um, so, yeah, and there's also Mert the Moneylender and Dernan, the proprietor of the Yanni Portal, uh, will be there uh, able to, you know, you can buy items off him and stuff like that. Looks like a really fun game. I've seen tons of uh, vertical slices, as they say in the biz. Uh, you and, are just uh, full really of the vernacular. No, I'm today. throwing them out there now. Did you study over the weekend? I totally, and I got real smart. Um, we had uh, Adam Bradford and Todd Kenrick on the podcast uh, a while ago, uh, I will say. Um, <laughs> but you should go uh, download that mobile app. It's on uh, Alpha right now on all of the amazing stores. 
such as Google and uh, iOS. Uh, but the companion content is being tested right now, and they need lots of your help for feedback uh, to make sure it is the best way to kind of get that stuff going. Uh, so please jump in and download that if you haven't already. Uh, and even by the time you listen to this in podcast form, it might also have more and more content added to that, including the character build and all the fun stuff that you do uh, and know from DoD Beyond on your uh, laptop. All right. All right. Makes sense? Yes. Um, don't forget Tales from Candlekeep is also available on Steam and other tactical RPG fun times. Uh, it is a digital recreation of the board game, Tomb of Annihilation. Go jump into that. Um, and uh, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Uh, those of you in podcast form may not be able to get this, but there's a new event called Fleets Week. It's an event. It's open uh, now for those of you who are watching this live. Fleet uh, until Week? Fleets Week. Oh. I know. I thought it's of a Fleet Week. <laughs> I thought of Fleet Week too, uh, which, if you're not familiar, is when many Navy vessels uh, embark uh, or, or, or disembark in New York City, and there's sailors in uniform all over New York City for a long time. That's called Fleet Week. This is Fleet yeah. Fleet's Wake. Totally oh. different. Okay. Uh, also different than you know Santa Claus. Uh, 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 that you know the Santa SantaCon, which also happens in New York. Uh, in December. SantaCon. Yeah, where everybody dresses in Santa costumes and basically gets derunk as possible. Uh, and it's like it's pretty much the most frightening thing to be like, for not know what's happening and then like be walking on a street in New York City and just see like Santas everywhere. Like Drunk Santas. Drunk Santas. I don't need to see that. Yeah. But it's a great thing that you can add into your horror themed game. <laughs> well. Those of you out there. We did make the Santa character cards for Betrayal at House on the Hill. It's true. For Wizards Yeah, employees. you're right. So it's kind of in line, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there's also, speaking of fun uh, things that might be happening here on the Twitch channel, uh, we're doing a uh, Morden Kanan's Mayhem uh, in the next few oh, weeks. yeah, we are. You'll be able to watch it on Mondays uh, after we conclude our Dragon Talk live recordings, and that will pit uh, some members of the D&D team against each other using it's monsters. Already driving a wedge. From Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes, uh, previewing kind of high-level monsters that's already driving a wedge. It'll be a little bit of a bracket. We'll have eight uh, participants and uh, three rounds, uh, and uh, someone will be crowned the winner Right here. Right here. Uh, awesome. Chris Lindsay will be dungeon mastering it. Are you you're going to be participating? I'm in it, yeah. What? You're going to be in it? Mm-hmm. That's cray-cray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not going to be in it, but I might be uh, commentating or helping Bart Carroll out commentating. Are we allowed to say who we are, or is that a surprise? Not yet. Not yet. That is a surprise. It'll be a, a preview moment. But basically high-level creatures from Morningkane and Stone of Foes, which should be tons of fun. Okay. All right. We have an awesome interview uh, coming up. We are going to be talking to Russell Tomas. Uh, he is from Dream Lords Digital. He is uh, making a game. Uh, I think it's called Gray Walkers. Mm-hmm. It was out on the Kickstarters uh, very recently. So uh, Gray Walkers Purgatory. Gray Walkers colon Purgatory, right? Or is it just one thing? He didn't put the colon in it. All right. Well, we, we removed the colon <laughs> <laughs> live on Twitch, <laughs> which is content that should be coming down the pipe, uh. if you know what I mean. <laughs> All right. So we've got, we've got that awesome interview coming up uh. Uh, after <laughs> Ryan Marth is doing a... Finally, Ryan's like, after four years, standing, this job is finally paid off. <laughs> standing ovation, slow clap. Thank you for that, sir. Uh, we're going to roll an awesome here segment. We have not even yet recorded it, so I don't know what it's going to be. It will either be Sage Advice with Mr. Jerry Crawford or a lower You Should Know uh, with those crazy kids, Chris Perkins or Matt Cerner. But I'll let you know uh, as it rolls right now when we do some bings and bongs. (laughs) 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know, where we dive into little tidbits of Dungeons & Dragons lore and give them to you so that you can use them in your game or just because they're fun to know. Uh, I'm Greg Tito, and I'm joined by uh, the Lore Masters, uh, Mr... Chris Perkins. And... Matt Cernan. Yay! How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about Star Spawn, mm-hmm. uh, which gets into more detail uh, when you will all be reading Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes. Uh, we wanted to give you some tidbits about where Star Spawn uh, came from uh, and uh, and where they will be going. I yes. Guess. Uh, so where was the first time uh, these were introduced? Well, it's a little complicated. <laughs> it always is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Star Spawn appeared in, I think, um, Monster Manual 2 for 4th edition. Uh, and um, they were somewhat different than the ones that are being presented in uh, Morgan Cain's Tome of Foes. Those ones more closely resemble what were called Foul Spawn, and Foul Spawn was in the Monster Manual 1 in 4th edition, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And Foul Spawn? Foul, foul Spawn. spawn. Yeah. Okay. One word. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we with 5th edition, we wanted to kind of blend the ideas and pull uh, in some other elements like um, there's references to Elder e- Evils in, in, um, uh, with Warlocks and so on. So we wanted to kind of tie it all up into a nice little bow where it was a bit messy previously. Yeah. We... I was mentioning this to you guys just before we went live, but D&D hasn't always had Warlocks. Warlocks were a development that came toward the end of 3rd edition, and we've had them ever since. Yeah. Um, at least formally written up as... They're, they're actually, there were probably Warlocks in old Dragon Magazine articles now that I think back. Knows, but they weren't, yeah. they weren't really canonized in the core of the game until 3rd edition, and a number of people on staff at the time really dug them. And we're looking for ways to kind of tie them into the multiverse and looking at connections to elder evils, connections to other patrons, and the stars kind of emerged as this sort of leading concept that that maybe that's where some warlocks get their power. And when you think about stars in D&D, maybe there's stuff that actually lives there and they're called star spawn or they're, you know, ejected from the stars and they end up on our planet. And so these are creatures born of the stars. We call them star spawn. Um, Interesting. Okay, but so there's also this weird tie into the far realm, right? So the the foul spawn are kind of um, well spawned by connections with the far realm, and the far realm sort of uh, pe- people who are cultists who want to open gateways to the far realm because they're crazy or whatever. What is what? Is, what's the far realm? Oh, what's the definition okay. of that. Well, it is it is a plane that defies normal. Um, rules of physics and geometry. It's very much a Lovecraftian realm of non-Euclidean experiences where things that shall not be named dwell and where if you were to peer through a window into it, you would go irrevocably insane. Um, Got it. All right. So all in all, not a, not a great adventuring Cthulhu. location. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there. If but, you hear the yeah. Call of Cthulhu, that's where you'll be going to. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, Got it. and uh, uh, folks like Bruce Cordell, who are huge Lovecraft fans, uh, really kind of, they did more than dip their toes in. They took the plunge <laughs> yeah. and, and really tried to bring the far realm out and over a course of a number of products in a very kind of mysterious and oblique way. And the foul spawn were sort of a natural out, outgrowth of that. Monsters from the far realm who's, you don't really know what they want or why they want it. They just do, and you just take it. Yeah. 
They sometimes they were transformed cultists somehow, or they got tentacles coming out of their eyeballs. Or <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so um, and fourth edition kind of uh, again like leaned into that idea, particularly in the the, the Forgotten Realms, where um, then there was uh, oh I'm forgetting the the Abolithic sovereignty, which yes. was connected to the Far Realm, and so. Um, both in the Forgotten Realms and in the sort of general D&D adventures, there are a whole bunch of um, products that featured Foul Spawn in various capacities. Um, I wrote some. Yep. In fourth, <laughs> I don't even remember. In fourth edition, uh, a number of stars were given names. And right. like Zybon, Kaifon, Akamar, Hadar. Hadar. Yep, Hadar. Um, and a number of other ones. Um, Articles were written about these stars and their and the influences that they have over people and how one star is different from another. You know, Zybon is the corpse star and it has this kind of property and blah, 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 blah. And that would translate into certain powers that warlocks had. Those powers, in some of them, became spells in 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Like we have Arms of Hadar, which is yeah. a spell in 5th edition. Uh, the name Hadar is there and that's that came about in 4th edition. But this idea that there is magic that channels the powers of these stars in weird ways. Armor of Agathis is another one. Yep. Now, are they these stars, are they visible everywhere in the multiverse or only in the Forgotten Realms? Or <laughs> I love it when I stump you guys. So. It, no, it, the, uh, the answer is no, they're not visible everywhere, depending on how you view the cosmology. Yeah. I see. So there's, there's a lot of... Um, the, Previously, in, there, there's been uh, some um, amount of effort sort of to the idea of them being traveling or wandering stars. And so, you know, it comes through every once a thousand years or it just comes through at a certain time and who knows why. And um, Kind of like comets or, yeah. or things might, might, might portend right. great yeah. in, events on the material plane, but right. bringing so, so that idea to the We're certainly not binding them to any particular um, sort of sky. sky or crystal sphere or whatever you want to call it uh, in the world of D&D. But there is just a star somewhere in the multiverse that's, mm-hmm. that these – Right. Entities like the star yes. spawn live, or and it could exist. show up anywhere. It's right. Yeah, oh, I mean, and whether or not like they are actually on that star, or if it's just sort of that star is kind of like a herald of their arrival, is mm. sort of yeah. mysterious. I mean, there are certainly things that we call elder evils, like Hadar and so on, um, that we don't believe reside in stars. So another one would be like Dendar the Night Serpent, who is an important one in Forgotten Realms history, and. Um, you know, we don't believe that Dendar the Night Serpent lives in a star, but or maybe even is associated with a star. But she still might have these sort of mm. weird creatures, cosmic kind of. connections. Yeah, I see. Yeah, so um, that's interesting. So we didn't. We decided not to pick up this. We haven't picked up the foul spawn per se yet with fifth edition, uh, but we have taken the concept of star spawn and evolved it for Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, and they are they're not one kind of creature. They are a family of creatures, and they're generally weird, um, inscrutable monsters that when they show up, you probably just want to kill them. They're so, they're so <laughs> aberrant um, that they don't really, they don't fit in, a, in your cosmology the way like goblins do, right. you know? Um, when, you see, when you see them, it's very clear when you look at them, these are not of this world, and they want to eat us and destroy us, so we should probably destroy them first. Good plan. 
What yeah. about something from a uh, from a warlock perspective? That would they be oh, using hey their guys. power? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey, I can do so much more now that I have you nearby. I, I think with with sort of the um, that kind of pact that's with like the elder, elder evils and stuff like that. You're trying to to um, use the power of these beings. Probably without even garnering their notice, <laughs> just you're like siphoning off. Yeah. You're just trying to steal a little bit um, to uh, and hope they don't, <laughs> they don't show up. <laughs> is that what the casting of uh, the spells that you mentioned uh, is kind of doing in a way? Yeah, in a way, um, but I think it's it's open to interpretation. A lot of times you just cast the spell and you don't really care what the long-term consequences or if any consequences are of that yeah. spell. And we don't say in the spell, if you cast the spell a hundred times, Hadar is going to show up and go, hey, buddy, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Out of his tentacle eye. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, but that'd be it, kind of an interesting yeah, thing to do, though. It like, would. And a lot of people I've heard anecdotally in trying to bring their warlocks to life and make the patrons sort of a meaningful part of the warlock story have had these entities show up as a consequence of the warlock tapping into this power. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they did too much too too often. Right, or, or not like enough. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's true, too. Like, you're not using our power enough. <laughs> yeah, What's wrong with you? Lately, <laughs> 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 you haven't called me. You have the power of a star, and you're just... Yeah, and Navar is like, hey, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. And there's a lot of these amazing monsters coming in Mordekainen's Tome of Foes. There is, there is a collection you. of them, yes. Yeah. yeah. And they all tend to be higher challenges for, for higher levels uh, creatures. Is that correct? Uh, let's see. Oh, let's see. Um, they are, yeah, mid to high. Mid, mid to, to high. high. Yeah. Uh, so definitely something that you would only want to throw in uh, if uh, it was meaningful, I mm-hmm. think, right? Not just as a, a, a throwaway goblin fight. In level one, well, you could. There's one that's really low, and then yeah, <laughs> I think that's the DM giving you a hint. Yes, something I think, weird's going to happen later on. I think there, in adventures where creatures like this have been used in the past, there's almost always some sort of cosmic event associated with them. Like, mm. for instance, um, the Chaos Scar Adventures uh, Fourth Edition that we published in Dungeon Magazine is this idea of a comet crashes into the ground, boom, makes a big mess, and things start to gravitate around it or come out of it or whatever. And a lot of those things could be weird-ass stuff like this. Makes sense. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I can't wait to delve into more of these uh, when Mordekainen's Tome of Foes comes out uh, May 28th, 29th, and then 18th in game stores. Good stuff. Uh, All where right. can people get in touch with you to ask you more questions about lore? I can be reached on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND. I'm also on Twitter at at Cernet, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Sweet. All right. Thank you, guys. We will be back with another segment next week. Thank you very much. So that segment was really great because it reminded me a lot about the Bachelor finale. Totally. <laughs> that we were going to talk about. It did. It yeah. was like, this one or that one. I'll this choose rose. this one, but now I'm going to choose that one. Wait, and then, by the way, I chose you, but I'm going to take, like, backsies. Right. Yeah. And it, the one that you choose is about as interesting as, no, I was going to say this pen, but this pen actually is interesting. That is it's an got interesting a pen. On it. Yeah. Like this piece of paper. But that piece of paper is interesting because it has interesting things on it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all this having. This piece of gaffer tape. <laughs> all right. Well, I could talk a lot about gaffer's tape. You like gaffer tape. <laughs> I do like then a gaffer's tape. You would tape. love. Um, the Bachelor, fiance. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Well, right here. Or quid, quid pro quo. Anyway, anyway, they're the world's most boring couple, and I'm glad they took each other off the market. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. 
That's um, snapping. But speaking mm. of the interesting things on that piece of paper, I think we should call up uh, our interview Did guest. Did you notice I highlighted some stuff? It is high lit. That is what they oh, say no. uh, amongst the kids nowadays. <gasps> that is high this lit. This is such good information. It's, yeah, I know. It is, it's really good. It's jam-packed it's with so all that good. research. I'm so glad I did all that research. Me too. Uh, so we're going to call up Russell Tomas. Uh, and uh, let's do it right now on the Skypes. Boop, boop, boop. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How's it going, Russell? Pretty good. Pretty good. Hi. Oh. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Greg. Hi. There Hi. you are. <laughs> good to see you. Can you see me? Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so okay. your name is Russell Tomas. Am I am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, depend. Well, Tomas works, but some people call me just say Russell Thomas is fine. Oh, oh okay. Perfect. He Perfect. did say Thomas at first, and I said it's probably Tomas. I yes. So I I messed it up. From all of our uh, uh, you know four years of <laughs> taking Spanish. Mine is like twelve <laughs> years of Spanish. Uh, but you are calling from uh, the Philippines, is that right? Yeah, I'm currently in Manila. Uh, it's five a.m. here. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. it is a different time zone. That's crazy. So you uh, got up early to talk to us? Or you have not gone to bed? I've you been have... working the whole night. So, and this is my normal hours. You know, oh. It's easier to develop games during this time of the night. Okay. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, so have, are you a native of uh, Manila? Have you always lived there? Uh, yeah, I've lived here most of my life. Though I go back and forth to the U.S. You know, uh, pretty regularly. And you are uh, uh, have been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a very long time, is that yes, right? Yes, um, I think by this year about thirty years now. That is a long time. Yep. Yes, nineteen nineteen eighty eight, if I remember correctly. Wow. It was introduced to me at that time. Oh, I was this in college. An yeah. anniversary. I got a hold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a hold of a, a DM's guide. I think it was the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons DM's guide, mm-hmm. but it was just that there was no player's handbook. So for about a year, I just had that book. So I was just learning it without the player's handbook. So I couldn't really play it, you know, until I found a group that I could play it with. Yeah. That's awesome. So what? Uh, 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 so what was your first inspiration to get into it? Um, I've always been, you know, fascinated by by you know, I, I read a lot of fantasy books. Uh, back then, and then um, yeah, I think at that time, what got me into it was really reading a lot of the Dragonlance books, like uh, mm. the fir- the the story of Raelin and Caramon and all of them. Um, yeah, it, it really sucked me in, and I, after that, I was hooked. And then when I saw the book, and then I I heard about it. I've been hearing about it, but uh, it took a while before I actually got to play mm. uh, the game with with actual people uh, for the time. <laughs> Uh, it was just me and my brother. We would be playing. Uh, I don't know if well, I don't know if people re- remember it, but there was a random dungeon generator in the DM's guide. Yeah. So we were just playing just the two of us. So we would like randomly roll what's happening, and we would play in the game and see what would happen. Oh, so they're like what, it was almost like dungeon master list. Like you guys were both players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were both players, and you know, Very we didn't creative. have a dungeon master, so so that was we, that's what we would do, normally do. Oh, that's awesome. And, and uh, I, I know we'll talk more about this, but you're working now with your brother uh, on a, a digital uh, role-playing game right now, right? Yeah, we're, we're creating a game. Me and my brother and some, some friends, uh, we're building a game called Greywalker's Purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the first in a series. Uh, it's a turn-based RPG, strategy RPG. 
Um, it's set in a supernatural post-apocalyptic setting. So I guess the, you could say that the game is a mix of XCOM, Fallout, and Jagged Alliance combined. Ah. If, if, yeah. That's, that's pretty much how the gameplay goes. With some hefty um, Dungeons and Dragons story references in there, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Uh, basically, the whole you know, um, my whole the whole career, actually, my whole career in game development was really inspired by role playing. Uh, most of it being Dungeons and Dragons, since most of my life that's what I've been playing, except for of course testing all the other new systems. But pretty much, we always go back to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I played through pretty much every single versions version of uh, Dungeons and Dragons since I started. Wow. Yeah. That's um, a lot of history. That is a lot of history. I think it's really cool yeah, it is that, a lot. <laughs> that you and your brother uh, started off rolling dungeons together and then here you guys are still doing that 30 yeah, years later. Making That's pretty your own cool. Game. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you were yeah. reading... Oh, sorry. Go on. No, go ahead, guys. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When you were reading the Dragonlance books, did you know that was Dungeons and Dragons? I'm always uh, curious. Not, like... not at start. Yeah. Actually, uh, it, I never really knew it was until later on when I saw some modules that were showing it that it was from the from the game. So I was like, okay, so which came first? Did the book come first, or was the or was the modules come came first, and then they made the book out of it? So I wasn't really sure. Mm. We'll have to talk to uh, 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 Tracy Hickman and uh, uh, Margaret Weiss and find that out. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Up to this day, actually, I'm not really sure which came first. So, yeah, if you could ask that for me, that yes. would be great. <laughs> Chicken and egg, right? right? You never know. Yeah, I always. it's always funny because a lot of people will read the Dragonlance novels or the Forgotten Realms novels, and they don't always yeah. know that, yeah. the, that it's Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I was, this, I mean, I was a kid around that age, too, and I thought I wasn't sure. Like, I, I think I knew what Dungeons and Dragons was, but I wasn't. Uh, uh, familiar enough with uh, how the Dragonlance novels work and how modules work and how these were coming out all at the same time. Like, I didn't, I wasn't really sure either uh, as a kid. And I think that was part of the charm of it was like, am I playing Dungeons Dragons by reading these books? Am I, you know, yeah. uh, you know, am I, you know, so you, you weren't really, you know, but just like you, I was, I was fascinated with those characters, Raceland and Caraman, and, and, and yeah. how they interacted. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually remember a little now. Um, before even Dragonlance, I think I got introduced to some Greyhawk books, but those I didn't know were connected directly to Dungeons mm. & Dragons, but but I did read it, so I got introduced to that. Um, so I, I, thinking back, I think I was in high school when I got introduced to the Greyhawk books, so I guess that was first before I got into Dragonlance, now that I'm remembering it a bit. <laughs> so you have a wealth of uh, inspiration to draw from, and then you started a, a, a campaign, right, that has been going on for, for how long? Uh, more than 15 years. Um, I started, well, I stopped playing for a while. There was a point where I stopped, and then when 3rd Ed got introduced, and we restarted the campaign, and then... Since then, we've been running the campaign pretty regularly for several years. Then we would take some breaks, but then somehow we would restart it. Um, and in some situations, instead of continuing the main story, though, we'd, we'd start with a fresh new batch of adventurers, but they would be all in the same world and they'd be connected to the same storyline. So they'd all be running around uh, in, in the same story. So it was like a continuation of, of, of every, what everything was going, uh, what everything was uh, happening in the game world itself. Mm. Uh, it was set actually in the Forgotten Realms, though it was of course modified with everything they did and you know with a few tweaks here and there to, to make it match the players with what, the way they were playing. 
it was like a shard of the of the Forgotten Realms of, of you know, yeah. Well, a big chunk of it was Forgotten Realms. I, I guess uh, we would put in our own shards, but majority of it was still Forgotten Realms. That's really interesting. Is this is it still going on? Yes, actually it is. Um, I actually just started a new group uh, set in the same setting using uh, the fifth ed. A um, bunch of new players, so you know, there's about eight of them or nine of them in the in the group. So all level one. We just started like oh wow, a few weeks Brand ago. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So when you say new players, do you mean are they new to Dungeons and Dragons or are they just yes. new to? Oh, cool. They are new to Dungeons and Dragons. At least more than half the group are new. So they wanted to try it. They've been hearing a lot about it. So uh, they asked me uh, if I could uh, DM them. And I said, sure, why not? You know, it's a bunch of new players. Uh, we're always happy to bring in new players, uh, especially that I've been so used to really big groups. Um, my old group that I used to run, we were like between the average players, so like 10 to 15 players every That's weekend. That's crazy. So, that, How yeah, did you do that? Because I was looking at, uh, at the information that you had provided. And you were, I saw that there was, at one time, you had you had DM'd for 25 people? Yeah, 25 people. All of them were 25th level to 30th level, all at the same time. How? It was crazy. How does this even, uh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, we, we, we played in my house, and then we had this, like, gigantic room, and everybody was just standing around. It's like, of course, one turn would take one hour per round for everybody to finish their moves. Yeah. Kind but of a... it was fun. It was fun. It, it was really interesting. Um, I think the campaign at that point, uh, they were supposed to fight Vlaki, uh, the Git Queen. Mm. So they were all like epic levels already, and then and they had to fight her. Uh, so they what they the, the players. The reason there was twenty five players is because they felt they didn't they needed more firepower. So they invited my other group. I was GMing another group. Oh. So they, I, it's like two game groups together. Uh huh. Um, and then we, they, they had the game. But then something interesting happened in the game was like, uh, before Blackheath was starting to lose, she made a deal with everybody. She offered it to everybody. It's like, work for me, turn to my side, and I'll give you anything she wants. Half the team turned. Oh. And so basically, it turned into a grand melee. Everybody trying to kill each other. So it that... was just really crazy. And then you were the only dungeon master running that. Yeah, I was the only dungeon master running that. How do you keep uh, that? That I mean, the attention and the focus, and how does this? Oh, uh, it's hard me, with five I, I people. Just, yeah, I know, but I try to use it as my mental exercise. I do have tools, you know. There's there's like computer. It helps out a bit. But for me, it's I, I find part of it, the fun part of it, is is handling all of that all at the same time. That's so, fun. So yeah, yeah, I got used to it though. With like okay. a dozen people at that point, it was just a matter of going through the process already of of going through each one, making sure everybody got to do what they were doing. Of course, I had to be more strict in, in the term in the way we were running the game because you know it was, it was just too many people. Uh, I didn't want to turn them away, so I said, yeah, sure, come on, let's do it. <laughs> so I was going to say, it sounded like, you know, the Avengers meets, like, another, you know, superhero team, or, like, the Defenders <laughs> or something coming together, yeah. and then it ended up turning into Civil War with all them fighting each other. Yeah, pretty much, that's exactly what happened. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's like Thanos gave them a chance to, like, hey, come on, you know. Yeah, come on. I'll give you everything <laughs> you want. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so did, it, did anybody, like, perish? Were there any, like, permanent yes, character yes, deaths? There was, yes, there were a lot of permanent character deaths oh. Uh, oh. And, and basically after that game uh, even friendships were destroyed to some degree <laughs> temporarily of course <laughs> I like, would... 
some of them believe them. Like we were, been, we've been playing this game for like ten years, and then suddenly, in the, after all of this, you betray us. Yeah, so if your character's like twenty got level. Really yeah, so it was really interesting what happened that night, and basically what they did because they they got greedy. They were supposed to just go in, take her out, and uh, succeed, you know. But then some of them had the idea, you know, I want to be a god. Why don't we just help her be a god? Then we'll kill her after she becomes a god. <laughs> and that pretty much was the start of chaos, and yep. everything got crazy after that. Wow. That sounds like a pretty epic, like, you know, I would love to have been a fly on the wall to watch I know. all that I wish you recorded that. <laughs> live stream yeah, that. It, it was really great. It was really great. Uh, just in my memory now, I can think of all the things that happened. It was just really, really crazy, what, but uh, in a fun way. <laughs> what system was that? Um, 3.5. Oh. Well, homebrew 3.5 at that point. Right. Which is why it was really crazy at that point, because... Uh, many of them, half of them were power gamers, the others were role players, so it was a mix. So some of the characters playing in the game were really, really powerful. Um, but I got, the, I had a chance to prepare for it, so more or less I knew their characters well. So I was able to, to handle them to a certain degree, of course. And that was the best way I could handle them, was basically to let them handle each other. Oh. Yeah, basically they fought. People died. At the end of it, there was just a handful of them left. Oh. So Wow, really? Yeah. Only a handful well, of them survived it. Well, yeah. If, when players start killing each other, it, it goes by very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's one way to Put that on speed a, things up. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely one way to speed things up. And at least I didn't feel guilty as, as well because I didn't have to do it myself. Uh, so, yeah, sure. Go. Go for it, you know. What, uh, so now you're just getting into to 5th edition. Is it some of those same people in that group? Or these, you said they were all new No, folks? no. These are all a bunch of new players. Um, they're all... Half of the group is, has just heard about Dungeons & Dragons. Obviously, there's been a resurgence of it even here, uh, especially after watching Stranger Things. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know, people, yeah, people have been asking about it. People who's never really role-played before but have heard of it. So uh, they've, they've heard about me... DMing pretty regularly, and they asked me if I could do it. So I said, sure, why not? You know. How is it going so far? Uh, are people... So far, so good. They loved it. The first session went really well. Um, the good thing with this group is they're new, so nobody's really trying to be power gamers. Everybody's just trying to be role players. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit more fun, um, and, and it's a bit more relaxing than my usual games when I'm playing with the power gamers. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned that a couple of times. Do you feel like there's a dichotomy between those two? Um, there is, there is. Actually, at least the way, uh, at least in my experience, um, I've seen like people really take advantage, like the, the power gamers would take advantage of the system. And, yeah. and I, I am sure you, some of you would know that, that in 3.5, you could come up with basically super powered characters at, at that level when you're playing at that level already. Even at lower levels, it was really crazy already. So, and then there were those who were so focused more on building their characters in terms of role playing that you could really see the the ones who are more concerned with the stats and roles rather than those who are concerned with what they're doing as a character. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and there were those, of course, who were more of a balance of both. So, yeah, I would say that there is definitely a dichotomy between the three, the three types. Yeah. Uh, the ones who are at the two extremes and the one in the middle who's managed to balance 
it together. Yeah, I, I almost see like more like a spectrum in a way where like there's gonna be some folks who yeah, uh, there's more in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you know, even me, I maybe I'm like seventy five percent role player, but you know, twenty five percent power gamer. If I you know, I want to have you know, be able to do fun stuff uh, right. you know, at least once or twice a night uh, uh, with, you know, with a combat encounter or something like that. So, you know, but I also just love embodying a role and not doing anything uh, uh, combat wise at all. And like going shopping in a, you know, in a town or something like that. Sometimes those are my favorite sessions too. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel like, and it's gonna be different from session to session. Uh, so I, I, that's what I like about fifth edition so far is that like, it seems to encompass both folks uh, yes. really yeah. well. Whereas 3.5 yeah, it's, it's, and other it's a balance, ones, right? Yeah, we're going into, not going into, but like after, you know, after a few years of an edition, it was, it was, it was very easy to be like, all right, that guy's got all eight slots of magic items plus three ion stones, and, and he's ready right. to, to, to blow stuff up. Right, right. So with your new, the new group, I'm just curious, how do you get people started? Like, what's a beginning? Do you help them create their characters? Or Yes, I do help them. Yeah, I do help them create their characters, uh, especially those who haven't read the rules. Yeah, um, which is so, like 95% you know, of them. <laughs> yeah, 95% of them. <laughs> and even those who know how to make characters, sometimes they don't like making their characters. They yeah. need help. Yeah. So how can I do this? How can I do this? So they'll just give me that concept or idea of what they want to they wanna, wanna be like, and then we'll try to put it into the game as much as I can. And then there are times there are those with a little bit more, you know, fancier characters that doesn't really fit the basic rules so you know I'll, I'll i'll just have to come up with something unique that would work for them and then i i, I just play it you know play it by ear and I, i'll tell them okay we'll improve this as we go along as i try to understand what more you, what you like to play more so that's pretty much the process of how i go about yeah. that yeah do they have are they are they tentative about the role-playing part or have you noticed they just kind of jump into their character uh, they seem to like the the, the role playing part, yeah. so they're they're they've managed to somehow get of it. Some of them are a little bit shy yeah. at first, uh, but I, I think the moment things started getting more fun and people were getting into their roles more, and and I would make sure that they would get into a situation where they would really try to talk to each other and get to know each other as characters, not just as players. Yeah. Then that that helps them. In fact, the first session. There were no fights. It was really just, you know, you guys got together somehow. They tried to get to know each other. Shenanigans were happening, of course, even then. Hmm. But, uh, but at the least, they got to know how each player was was playing, thinking. And we would help them along too, in terms yeah. of guiding them. Like this is your alignment. You should be a little bit more this. You can be a bit more. You can, you know, you can stray of that a bit. But this is your guide. These are your guides. We would say, yeah, yeah. to help them out. That yeah. makes sense. And what's what's interesting about what you're saying, uh, you know, if most of these games took place uh, in the Philippines and stuff, that uh, you know, I'm always interested to find out from people from different countries who play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's like a different style or like if people, you know, uh, you know, go. I don't know. If I, it's a different culture. So I'm like, how did the, how does a different culture react with Dungeons and Dragons? But what you're describing sounds very similar to how every dungeon master dungeon I've Dragons. ever had plays. Yeah, um, from what I've seen, uh, I played Dungeons and Dragons here and in the U.S. and at least in the at least in the Manila and in the U.S. It's pretty much the same. Um, uh, there's not much difference, except of course sometimes the language. But beyond the language, culturally, uh, since we're all you know trying to be somebody else in 
in a world wherein it's all you know fantasy situation people seem to forget though sometimes um some would try to bring in a character that is filipino like mm -hmm. so then you know they would make like some sort of tribal character uh then then that's the only time i guess that we would bring in some flavor specifically from the philippines into the game but most of the time it's a traditional you know european fantasy uh characters you know running about what are some so, of those uh uh the filipino characters i would love to hear about those um yeah like normally it'll be like like uh they would have uh have you are you familiar with escrima no. it's like the filipino martial art so it's just like supposedly one of the really deadly martial arts so uh, that would be they would bring in masters of escrima which is normally sword fighting with uh, sword two two sword fighting or daggers or it's a really a mix so they would play a monk or or a fighter with, with that as a or a fighter monk basically to to represent it and then yeah they no they don't wear armor they're just wearing you know uh, a g-string most of the time and, some beads <laughs> and pretty much and pretty much that's it you know so so they play and they try to be that and they they'll try to to act and react like what would happen if we were in a world that was more advanced because even even to that character medieval europe medieval europe would seem like a very advanced uh culture as far as they would be concerned right at least if you were to compare the the the, the culture and the the nature of the character that would be playing in that situation. So it's like a fish out of water situation. Yeah, and those people, you know, who bring that character to the table want to play that type of character. Yeah, they do. They do. They want to, but some more often than not, they do it to, just to have fun. They don't really take it seriously. Mm. You know, they just want to see all the crazy stuff they can do if they were like different from the normal culture and see how everybody would react to them in 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 when they're when they're playing that way. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's cool. I want to find out more about that that fighting style. That sounds yeah, pretty badass. Yeah, definitely. I can tell you more about it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a demonstration uh, with live steel. And a G-string. Oh, yeah. And a yeah, G-string, of yeah. course. The G-string <laughs> needs to be a big... string. <laughs> 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 sounds like it's an important not part. Me. I won't be doing that. <laughs> I'll probably fi find somebody else to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I'll, <laughs> I'll be your Uncle Barry. <laughs> no problem. Uh, well, that's really interesting. I mean, you mentioned the language thing too. I mean, how do do you normally play using Filipino, or do you use English, or do you go back and forth pretty freely? Uh, yeah, we we go back and forth. We call it Taglish, Tagalog in English. So you know, it's it's mostly talking in English, but then uh, Filipino words would be injected in as we talk. You know, like uh, expressions and stuff like that. But generally, it's English. Um, I actually give props and extra XP if people can actually speak in their appropriate uh, accents. So <laughs> to encourage them. So yeah, so that's uh, in terms of language, it's mostly English. I need a new expression for what what would be a good expression for when uh, our dungeon master does something or something happens to the party and we're just kind of screwed. What would I say? Uh, yeah, we, we would normally say patay kana, which would mean you're dead. Oh. Dude. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> <laughs> what is it again? I uh, say patay kana. Patay kana, which means patay you're dead. Kana. Patay kana. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, patay kana. You're dead. You're dead. Patay kana. Yeah. I like that it was and the dude afterwards, too. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Well, I normally say the do dude, translate. because they're like, they, they can't believe that it happened to them. So they're like, what? I'm dead. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you're dead. Sorry. Uh, Time to create a new character. Yeah. Actually, my players call me the evil GM okay, since that's I put one of them in questions. such evil situations. <laughs> Which is weird, because when we're talking to you, you seem so kind and nice oh, and you're like bringing oh, yeah, the I'm new nice, people but in. in as a but GM as a, I try not to be <laughs> really like what do you do how do you antagonize your players tell me everything. well um I take note of everything they do oh. you know it's like I take note like there was this one time uh this uh this cleric had uh I think it was a he had the ring of spell turning and he was fighting this this uh uh, solar, I think, or something like that. So he casted the spell, and then uh, it rebounded. But I think the the solar also had a spell resistance, uh, spell turning on. So and then they rolled for it. One of the effects was uh, the solar would be, or both of them would be sent to different planes of existence. So that happened, and they got rid of him. But five years, three to five, I think it was four years later. That character, they found that character and basically it bit them in the ass. You oh. know, stuff like that. I would I would bring back and make sure they pay for the things that they do. Whoa. You know, there is no action that there is no opposite reaction. So it's like foreshadowing. It's like they do something now. They don't deal with it for the next gaming sessions. But mm-hmm. one to two years down the line, they'll start feeling it like, wait, oh I know God. this guy. Oh, you're the one who did this to me. And then that's when they say, oh, shoot. This is what we did. Oh no! Then that's when they realized. That's oh, I can't believe that was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, and your campaigns last for like twenty-five years, so that's a lot for you to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I take notes. I take notes. <laughs> You've got so. that one thing they did in the first session you played in with them in like nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, so you're gonna be like, I was sixteen years old, man. <laughs> and I've been holding on to this. No. <laughs> yeah. Song. Some of the- some of them can't even remember, but we would try to, and then some would remember and try to remind them, hey, this is when you did that, you know, it would be just so funny. And, and the look on their faces actually is just precious because they can't believe that, that that thing came back. After all this time, it happened to them later on. They didn't realize that I was taking notes and that's what they did. Then they thought, ah, that was nothing. And then later on, it bit them back. Oh my God, that's, that's the best. so funny. Yeah, I gotta take better notes. In talking to uh, Joe Manganello, that's why he hates uh, having loose ends. Is what he calls it. He's like, if, yeah, if yeah, anything yeah. Happens and you screw these over. guys, my players leave a lot of loose ends. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's in, that's true. An interesting way to look at DMing is that your players are kind of just constantly dropping story hooks wherever they go. Yes, they are. Like, they there's are. just things that they I do. never thought about it that way. You can just keep picking up what they're doing. And add it back into the story 16 years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We try to do that. Uh, definitely. That is really Makes cool. Makes it more interesting. And, yeah. and builds on their characters, too. Yes. Yeah, because each detail just gets added to the to the sheet, uh, so to speak, of like, you know, oh, all the things that you've done and can be used and, and in, turned against them in the future. Yep. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, so I, I definitely want to talk about the publishing comic books and your and the game that you're working on but it sounds like you're you've been dming for so long and you're very prolific and you'd like to tell stories and all but i'm wondering were you were you drawn to being a dungeon master because of your love of storytelling or did your love of storytelling come out of your love of dming or was it just kind of a Uh, match made in heaven i i guess 
I can't really remember which came first, actually. More chicken and uh, the eggs. Yeah. Yeah, more chicken and egg situation. <laughs> but all I can remember, though, is um, when I GM, I DM, it was basically by, uh, I had no choice. There was no right. DM. And um, eventually, like, my brother started DMing. There was a DM, then my brother started DMing. Then after that, my, my brother stopped, and there was nobody else willing to take the reins. And then I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And then I realized that I really enjoyed it. Um, and then, yeah, and then that's how, now that I'm reminded, I think it was a DMing first, and then that showed me that I did like to create stories. Yeah, because cool. yeah, I was starting to do a lot of stories because I didn't have enough time to prepare sometimes. I would be creating stories on the fly and, you know, creating characters. So always I would have an idea of what was happening, but I always have to roll randomly for a name because that's always the last thing to come up. <laughs> so... So, but yeah, uh, I guess that, that's how it started, yeah. you know, DMing, yeah. and then it, it developed my desire to create stories. And in a way, it was also, it was at the same time that my, that I realized I also wanted to do comic books at that point. Uh, mm. It's only, I think I, in a way that gave me the stepping stone to create my own stories for comic books. At that time, nobody, I wasn't really thinking that I could create video games or even make uh, RPG game or anything similar for us it was just that's just like yeah that's something that we want to do maybe it's a dream as far as we're concerned mm -hmm. so the closest thing that um, that I saw that I could create those stories was to create my own comic book so that's what I got into after college and that started my whole creative uh, direction uh, doing that so D&D did have a big impact on my life actually uh, I think it's Probably partially the, the reason why I didn't decide why I decided not to enter med school and decided to do creative wow. stuff. <laughs> the world is short of potentially great yeah, doctor because of D and D. Oh, man, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy where I am right now. <laughs> I think uh, D and D saved me from from a life that I was not meant to to lead and probably was not going to be happy to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, though, that you that you uh, uh, were going to go to med school. Was that like really on the table? And then you were like, ah, no, I'm going to go more creative stuff. Oh, it was on the table. Actually, it was be it was either med school or go back go become a priest. So I decided now become an artist <laughs> instead. Whoa! <laughs> All right. Well, I salute you for that, sir. Uh, <laughs> good choice. Yeah, that's <laughs> wildly different. Yeah, because there's enough. There's too many clerics in the world. We don't need any more clerics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I realize I'm not a cleric. I've never played a cleric. I don't like cleric playing cleric. So I, don't I normally play rogues when the time when the few times I get to play. So right. Yeah. No, with a, with a couple of uh, skills in uh, medicine to uh, make up for the there for, you go for the medical school. <laughs> no, no, not really. I try to avoid that as well. I don't like to be a healer at all. <laughs> it's very stressful. Yeah, I don't it like the be. healing. Yeah, part. for sure. Oh. So tell me about the uh, uh, comic books that you made. Uh, um, I, I did comic books for only a short time. Uh, I think a few, like maybe two, three years, at least really into it. Uh, we created a comic book called Archon. Uh, back in the Philippines back then, there was not that many comic books of that nature. There were comic books, which we called, co it's comics with a K. Um, oh. Yeah, it was, it's basically local stories done in Tagalog, and there were like, Think they were like short stories. Uh, they were not like the superhero types like X-Men or Avengers, nothing like that. So um, at that point, we wanted to do those kind of stories, you know, 
uh, Avenger types, X Men type stories. At that time, Chris Claremont, I think, was was really popular, and I was so much into X Men mm-hmm. that uh, I wanted to do something like that. So, and then I thought to myself, yeah, that is something I want to do. And I guess you know, creating the stories, creating the characters, we the, we I decided to do that, and we managed to do it. Uh, we found a publisher. We I fo- found a team, put together a team, and then we started doing the comic book. And it uh, financially didn't do too well, but in terms of uh, of exposure and uh, it gave me the credibility as an artist. So um, yeah. we were able to to create some really good characters at that point, and uh, we did get a lot of attention because we were one of the pioneers of that kind of uh, of of. Uh, Creative uh, endeavors during that time. That was like in the nine, was like nineteen ninety six or ninety five or oh, something. Oh wow! Like okay, that. that really. Yeah, so it was pretty pretty old. Um, That's it was interesting. Pretty though. long ago. Sounds like it was yeah. your first experience uh, uh, putting together a team and and doing some project management skills and stuff. It was. It really was my first project. That was after college and. Uh, and it was interesting. I learned a lot from there, and that's what got me started uh, to be an, an entrepreneur and to put together teams. And once I got started, it's been you know it's been going on from since then till now. It's just a question of what I was doing. Uh, it was just I was just shifting on on the type of creative projects we were putting together, but it was all creative in nature. Yeah, you know. And is that transferred into uh, starting up? Uh, Dreamlords Digital and, and working on this uh, video game? Yeah, it, it was the next transition. We went to comic books and then I got into a lot of other stuff. Like I even built our own social network and then we we also created, uh, yeah, I went in, for a time I went into fashion magazines. I was working for a fashion magazine and and then we did it advertising also. So it was a lot of different creative projects here and there. Uh, but in the end, I realized what I really wanted to do was create games, you know, both uh, video games and and then eventually, you know, of course, doing uh, role playing during the weekend. So. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, 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 well, I, we'll get back to the Dungeons Dragons uh, question, but I want to give you an opportunity to talk more about uh, uh, Greywalkers and what that's all about, because it sounds like it's right up my alley as mm-hmm. far as video game genres go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um Greywalkers is basically set in a supernatural post-apocalyptic world wherein heaven and hell merge with earth. Ooh. So it's I like it. yeah, so that's what happens. Um so the war between heaven and hell was brought to earth and basically there was what they call the Trinity War, which is between heaven, uh, angels, demons and man. So that happened. Actually the the history of this was I was writing this as a graphic novel supposedly. But mm-hmm. then this was like the latter part of the time I was doing comic books, so it was put on hold. And then I realized that I had this story I wanted to tell. And then we started to do, uh, the, when we got into video games, I, I wanted, this was, this was what the story I decided to do. Uh, background though, the original story I was supposed to make for a video game was actually based on the campaign that I was running for D&D. Which oh. I entitled, I actually entitled the game Isles of Destiny. But then we were supposed to do an MMO, but then we realized it was just too big and too difficult. And at that point in time, 
EverQuest and World of Warcraft was out, and we said, okay, we're not going to be able to top that anytime soon. <laughs> so I think we should do something else for the meantime. So that's when Grey Walkers came in. Um, so yeah, that was the story. Oh, but that's like uh, 14 years ago. Is that when you started working on Grey Walkers? No, no, no. Uh, Grey Walkers. Uh, Grey Walkers. That was just the idea back then. It oh, wasn't I really see. I wasn't really working on it, uh, but. Uh, we were always thinking about it, but we only started working on Grey Walkers maybe when we when we set up Grey uh, Dream Lords about seven years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's when we slowly started to work on the idea, uh, and it went through several iterations too. Actually, before we we settled on what we really wanted to do with regards to that. Well, it sounds really so, cool so far. What now? Are you? You said you're in like alpha stage now, right? Yeah, we're in the alpha stage. We're actually we're pretty close to releasing our early access at least. Oh, cool. Uh, we're targeting end of April, but we've been late. We we're actually many many months late uh, because we've we've had some complications to deal with, and uh, also we've decided we wanted to really focus on quality. So instead of rushing through the gate, we we decided as a group to to just focus on making sure that. It'll be good. I mean, we were just thinking. Hopefully, the players will forgive us for being late. Uh, when we when we come up with a game, at least it'll be a good game, rather than rushing out the game and then it's a sucky game and probably they're gonna hate us nonetheless anyway. So uh, we decided let's just make sure it's a good game. They'll forgive us if it is a good game. So. Yeah, I think that's that's totally fair. Wanting to have a high quality game yes yeah we i think we know about that here at dungeons and dragons so it's important to you want to get it right get that quality right the first time and you know that maybe that means releasing less products uh over a certain amount of time but uh you know you want to get them to be the highest quality ever and i think that's Mm -hmm. that's really commendable and uh i think if people are backers and waiting to get it they will they will be uh happy to to have the game at its highest quality uh rather than something rushed for sure so yeah we're thankful to our to our backers happily from Kickstarter. They've been very patient with us, and we're very thankful to them for the continued support that they've been giving us, despite the fact that we've been really late. Uh, is ninety them are supporting us, like uh, saying, "Yeah, you know, take your time. Just make yeah. sure. we're just happy you guys haven't given up, despite the fact that you've been chugging along, and despite all the difficulties, you've still been pushing forward." And we said, "Yeah, we're not going to give up until we're done with this." So, um, yeah, and, and we're thankful that majority of them are, are still supportive uh, of, right. of, uh, of us. Yeah. And all you yeah. have to do is point them to uh, Shigeru uh, Miyamoto, who said, uh, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. Ah. Correct. That's actually our, uh, our motto no, as, as well. We're like using that as our basis. Like, yeah, that's our, that's our, that's our motto right now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's that unusual either for digital games to just take a little longer. Right, because yeah, something yeah. always pops up that you're never going to think about. <laughs> yep. So because of all these delays, I'm sure, you know, it's never uh, the easiest thing in the world. There's been lots of stress, but you also mentioned that you uh, use your D&D sessions as, uh, as therapy uh, a bit or like you keep them as sacred. And yeah, talk a little bit about that to, to close this out. Yeah, um, for me... My Saturday week, I call it my Saturday geek nights uh, <laughs> with my friends. Uh, it is like sacred. I, I need it. I, I work, si- my average work, I work 16 hours a day. So every weekend, it's like, okay, no one's going to get, you know, in between my Saturday game. So it's either I run D&D 
or an RPG game or some other game if, if they want it. But mostly it's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Or when there's not enough time, we just play Magic, which is also a Watsi product. So, yeah. yeah. It's worthwhile. So that's that's what... That's the the urban myth of how you know magic was created was that they needed a smaller game in between D and D sessions. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that was like one of the pitch things for for Richard Garfield and his team was to be like, all right, here's a, here's a, you know a, a game you can pick up and quick play, either waiting for more people to show up or if people cancel and stuff like that. So, you're using it the exactly yep. the way it was intended to be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm actually inspired by that. I've been reading a lot of the. The books. I think there's a lot of new books based on the Magic: The Gathering world. Yes. Uh, oh, Plane for, Shift. Yeah. For the... fifth, yeah, Plane Shift for Fifth Ed, and I'm actually thinking about running a game for that when I get the time. Maybe after we release early access, I'll prepare something for that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. A great reward to yourself. Yep. <laughs> for your geek nights on Saturdays uh, uh, yeah. after the game is in early access, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much uh, for for calling in at the early in the morning for you. I know. Uh, or yeah, late thank at night. you, thank you very mm-hmm. much. Yeah. When uh, w- where can people get find out more about uh, uh, Gray Walkers or or what you're doing personally or or more about Dream Dream, Dream Lords Digital? Well, we have our website uh, DreamLordsDigital.com and we have our website also for Gray Walkers, which is GreyWalkers.com. Of course, we have our Facebook pages also that they can follow or like when they get a chance, which is you know. Facebook slash Greywalkers and Facebook, uh, Facebook slash Dreamlords Digital. Awesome. What about you yourself? Uh, you want to throw out your social media accounts there in case people uh, want to follow you? Well, fine, sure. Uh, uh, normally, my Twitter, everything is wildcard, W Y L D E K A R D. So that's pretty much my, uh, my handle for all my social media. So all they have that, they can find me on Instagram. Facebook or Twitter, all using that. Very cool, awesome. Yeah. And uh, uh, one final thing, because I just kind of thought of it. Do you guys ever uh, stream? Uh, you know, videos of you guys playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear it in, in tag along or, or, or mm-hmm. taglish, as you were saying. <laughs> we've thought about it, but we've never really tried it. But now, maybe we should try it one of these days, and we'll let you know. Yes. Yeah, because that. that- is super exciting. I want to see more and more people uh, uh, playing D and D in their native language and, and and how it all works. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah that'll be important. a great. That's a great idea. We'll we'll, we'll see how we can go about uh, setting that up, and then maybe we can send you the video once we have it or once we have a, a stream ready. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Russell. It was really good talking to thank you. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank, thank you. you for having me on the show. Our pleasure. And uh, more power to you guys. <laughs> you and too, you man. as well. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Awesome. So I was looking at his notes again. Yeah. And he used to play in college D&D from Friday night all the way to Sunday afternoon. I know. What? That's amazing what? to me. How? Well, it's like uh, in Stranger Things when the little kids, they play all day long. I was like, man, I they never, I didn't have that experience as a kid because I had such a you know, crazy mom, but like how awesome would that have been if you were like had nothing else going on? You're like, oh, you don't sleep? From you just like fall I would asleep assume they slept. Put your head up and like, oh, is it my turn? Is it my turn? Yeah. Now I want to do that now. I want to like book like a, like, a guy's seriously. weekend and just play D&D uh, or a girl's weekend, uh, uh, you know, and I'll have the G-string and do all the, the, combat, yeah. the combat moves that you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do Definitely that? a girls' weekend. I, I I hear Bart's going on a trip. <laughs> we can make it work. Hey. We can play some D and D. You'd have to come to Florida. Dang to see it. my parents. Not going to Florida ever again. 
it's my parents, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then that's all right. That, yeah. makes, that makes it easier. It's totally different. That's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. What a great uh, conversation. I feel like I learned so much. Thanks, uh, guy. Yeah. Good stuff. The evil GM. The evil GM. Mm. You know what? I, I, I saw some people mention this uh, in chat, and I wanted to say it, but I never didn't get a chance to. Uh, but that's exactly Chris Perkins. You know, you think he's such a nice, oh, uh, yeah. very uh, accommodating person. That still surprises me. So kind and generous. And then what he does to people in Dice Camera Action every mean. Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific time. Real tears. Many, many tears and wine uh, uh, over over uh, that's the like machinations. Therapeutic for him, like he's working through some stuff. I think it's just good storytelling. I mean, you really can't have a good, like, compelling story without conflict without tears. and tears and you know things going on. Right? Yeah, I think, and he just gets people so invested in the story and in their characters. Yeah, it's hard to hear or see things happening without getting emotional. Right. Yeah. It feels like Russell was doing the exact same thing. Yeah. So. Good Sign stuff. of a good DM, I guess. And it's so interesting. I mean, I I, I feel like whenever we talk to speak uh, to people who uh, uh, who play from 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 different areas that isn't the United States, it's like this weird universal language that everybody knows about Dungeons and Dragons and plays it. Uh, you know, I know. Not too differently from the way it's played here. Nope, it's universal. Yeah, and I, I liked hearing how he said pe- people had been hearing about it. And they were curious about it. Right. But they seemed to all go to him for their their dungeon mastering needs. Right, which is still happening <laughs> here, you know. But we're, you know, I, I still get uh, uh, you know relatives or, or people who don't know me like super well, but they know that one fact about me that I'm working for Dungeons yes. Dragons or something. That's like, oh, so I I saw it on the shows. Oh yeah, uh, so I watched Stranger Things. Right. Or yeah. Pat Oswalt said it on national TV. Or, right. You know things like that. And uh, yeah, and then they just ask me all the things, and it feels. But not like, your mom. But your not mom my mom. No, she would never. <laughs> She just pretends that's not happening. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But that's why, I see, and maybe it's the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Catholic upbringing, but that story that he was talking about, about angels and demons fighting I their war that. on our plane. Uh, that's like, really that's, cool. That's, that's something that Grey really Gray Walker's gets, Purgatory now makes more sense as a title. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. it does make much more sense now. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I hope he does. Maybe he will turn it into a graphic novel because I'd even like to sure. read it. Or you can, you know, Get look, that, look over my shoulder uh, as I'm playing the game. That would be fun. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of the dream that I forgot to tell you about. Oh, you had a dream? Yep. Somebody sent us, wizards, a, like a box full of stuff, just toys and things. Yeah. And you put on this very synthetic rainbow wig that also had <laughs> these elf ears put like on it. Yeah. And for some reason, I was sitting behind you and I was like putting your fake hair into like little ponytails and braids. <laughs> And we were recording the podcast while I was doing that. And I was like, I feel like I'm, this is kind of a weird angle to be sitting, but whatever. But whatever. And I just was like braiding your little wig. Oh, yeah. That seems like something that would happen. Yeah. That's not too far off. No. And I, you, yeah, you were wearing the wig but asking questions about all the other toys that were in the box. Yeah. But not about the wig. You were all in on the wig. All right. So if I receive a uh, synthetic wig that's Very rainbow color. synthetic because I was one touching it. Yeah. Then we'll know that you can predict the future. Yes. It could be on its way right now. <laughs> it could be. Let me check my Amazon. Is it going to be? Oh, it is. It's here it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, my God. Amazon Prime now. How did you know? Did you order it in your sleep? Maybe. You sleep, you sleep ordered. <gasps> People do that. Slaughtered. Yep. Slaughtered. <laughs> I slaughtered you a wig. <laughs> I hope you like it. I like that. Yeah. Apparently, if you're on some sleeping medications, you can a wake very up common side effect is the online shopping. Really? Yeah. Slaughtering. Oh. Slaughtering. Slaughtering. <laughs> it's very close to slaughtering, but like you're like, no, we're slaughtering over here. Yep. 
All right, well, good to know. Now I'll be checking those uh, those purchases with a fine-tooth comb yeah. now to be like, Adna, were you slaughtering? We're slaughtering again. Not again. That's why all of these toys keep coming. Oh, speaking of which, what is up with Edna pulling out her own teeth? Yeah, she's big now. She can just do it. I don't care how big you are. I never did that. The teeth is, that's, oh. Well, you, you never had a loose tooth yes, when you were a kid? And then you, like, did. push on it with your tooth, yeah, with your tongue? Yeah, but then I would, like, I would... It was like the Well, awful. it was like basically hanging by a thread. Like yeah, she I was pushing it, and it was like coming so forward that, you know, we have done so many of them. And Erin is the one. Who, my wife is like the gung ho. Like she pulls. I it. will yank it out. Right. I'm not doing that. And I'm like, no, my no, mom no just let it come out when that. it comes out. Like don't push it. So Erin kind of pushed the first couple because she was excited about it. Now that we're at seven, we're kind of like, oh, good. I remember whatever. my mom like taking a handful of tissues and getting all up in there and pulling out my teeth. Oh, so gross. I'm not that, ready that? for this. It's going to happen to I'm Quinny not soon. His teeth out. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it all, it's all been happening like the five, six, seven. Or no, I guess really, no, it was six or seven, really. Uh, most of it. That's so. going to be Bart's job. You never I'm know. not doing the teeth. Good to know. Good to know. You Saying yank it, it out, now. Bart. Saying it here, staking, putting we'll just, my stake in the ground. My uh, dad always used to make the thing when I had like braces. He's like, come here, I can fix your, I can fix your teeth. And he'd be like, poof. What? <laughs> he was joking. He was like the most pacifistic guy <laughs> in the world. Uh, he never got into, you know, he hated fighting, didn't like watching boxing even. Like he was like, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't deal with this. But he, so, he just thought it was funny. He was like, ah, oh, this is so much money. I can, I can yeah, fix your teeth. I'll fix your teeth. I can fix knocking it. them all out of your head. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was like, he was going to no hit braces. him into place. Oh. Or at least that's how I interpreted it. Maybe no. it wasn't. Maybe he just he was going to knock them all out. <laughs> you can have dentures from now on, kid. <laughs> That's the way we'll solve yep. this problem. You know how not to get braces? Don't have teeth. That's it. Yep. You solved it. Yep. Uh, any other fun stuff you want to talk about before we close this one out? I don't know. No? Nothing? No. All right. Well, Just making some games. Follow Shelly Moo. Shelly Moo. And Avalon Hill 2. And Avalon Hill 2. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Greg Tito on the Twitters uh, or uh, at Greg underscore Tito underscore. on Instagram. If you want to see some of my lovely pictures, including a family bike ride, of a family bike ride, uh, exactly, you can check that out. Actually, yeah. I don't think it's on Aaron's thing, but whatever. Uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, go to DungeonsandDragons.com to learn more about yep. this game and more. Kind of Stone of Foes is coming out in May 29th. It's gonna be tons of fun. 28th. Is that what I said? You said that before. All right. I don't know what it is. It's around there. <laughs> but it's for reals now. No, it is the 29th, and it's the oh. 18th. The uh, uh, is the friendly local game store release. Uh, good thing. All right, everybody. Uh, these uh, rocks are gonna fall. Oh no! Ow! Oh.